Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's program. This is Calvary Live coming to you live from the studios at Grace FM at Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado, all throughout the Grace FM radio network up and down Colorado's front range. You guys are hearing it live And of course, we want to welcome all of our affiliate stations, Freedom Radio Network, the Freedom FM, Truth FM, Hope FM. Uh, We have other stations being added regularly, so welcome. We're glad that you're with us. Whenever you hear this program, uh, you know that anywhere outside of Grace FM, you're hearing it on a one-week delay. All that really means is, is while the program's on, you can call the number 303 Six nine zero three thousand three zero three six nine zero three thousand, and you'll get on the air. Like we'll talk, <clears throat> we'll talk just like we're on the phone together. Uh, we'll pray together. Whatever it is on your mind, everyone listening on Grace Emma will hear it live, and then you can tune in next week, next week, and hear yourself on the radio, which is kind of cool. And uh, we have been talking and thinking through uh, engineering. Uh, thought, you know, it, it takes some engineering minds uh, to get things in order to possibly be bringing this live using super inexpensive, uh, well, compared to satellite technology, inexpensive uh, equipment uh, to connect us live with the stations. But it does take quite a bit of thinking, uh, quite a bit of engineering, timing, and software development, all of that. So it's not as easy as it would sound, uh, but we look forward one day when we go live on all these stations. So welcome again to Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor. Taking your calls and your questions, 303-690-3000. And you can text me. We have a dedicated texting line. It's for the show, but it's also a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week text line for prayer requests. Uh, So you can text a prayer request anytime. It gets copied, sent off to our staff here at the church. Then it gets spread to the different prayer meetings. Um, and we'd love to pray with you. So give me a call, 303-690-3000. Works anywhere in the U.S. 720-336-0897 is a text number. That too works anywhere in the U.S. Let me go to the text line right now. Pastor Ed, could you please explain the scripture in John 9, verse 41? John 9, verse 41. So let's look at that. Uh, it's the last verse of that chapter. So let's um, let's go back up to verse 35 for some context. <clears throat> Excuse me. They answered and said to him, you were completely born in your sins and you're teaching us. And they cast him out. Jesus heard, this is the man born blind that was healed. Jesus heard they cast him out. When he found him, he said to him, do you believe in the son of God? And he answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe in him? Verse 37. You have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you. And then he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. 
And Jesus said, for judgment I've come into this world that those who do not see may see and those who see may be made blind. Then some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said to him, are we blind also? And then here's your verse you reference in verse 41. Uh, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say, we see, therefore your sin remains. The people that receive the most condemnation, if you will, or the most, uh, maybe not condemnation, because John 3 says Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn. So like, what's the word I want to use? The most um, uh, correction, the most rebuke, that's the word I'm looking for, were these religious leaders who said that they knew the truth and they were teaching the truth and they were rightly representing God. In the metaphors that Jesus is using here, you could say that the religious rulers were claiming that they could see, that their eyes were wide open, that they not only could see but could understand and could convey the uh, teachings of God in the right manner. But how they treated this blind uh, man is an indication that they couldn't really see at all. They didn't see the hand of God in healing. They didn't see the they didn't see with compassionate heart toward the blind or towards parents or they just wanted to they cast the guy out. <clears throat> I mean that the religious rulers cast this guy out. What was his sin? He was healed by Jesus. Um, and so the conclusion at the end, he says, if you were blind, like if you just admitted that you don't see, that you are wrong, that you don't have clear a clear understanding of reality, then you wouldn't be held accountable. Like you, if you would just admit that you're wrong, you just, I guess in other terms we could say, if you would just humble yourself, you're in that position of humility and brokenness, you're you're open to to a fresh word from from God from Jesus but because you say you see but it's obvious that you don't see your sin remains like you say you're okay you say that you um have no need of help you don't need a savior you're you're a good person well when you don't recognize your need for help you say you got it all figured out then you have no remedy for your sin you have to admit that you are broken and that you're a sinner. And the religious Pharisees and scribes, they were even worse because they re- they claimed to represent God. I mean, here, here let me take you to, um, let's see, Matthew 23. Just listen. I'm just going to highlight Jesus' perspective of these teachers. 303 But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! You shut up heaven against men, for you neither go in yourselves nor do you allow those who are entering in to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! You devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. Therefore, you're going to receive the greater condemnation. Go ahead and go to Matthew chapter 23, pick up in verse 13, and just read the whole thing and see what Jesus what he describes as blind and those that can see and those that are blind. I mean, he absolutely puts the Pharisees, uh, the scribes and the Pharisees into the into the category of blind 
and therefore in in a place of greater condemnation. 303-690-3000. Let's go over to Maryland. Glenn Bernie, Maryland. Christopher, welcome to the program. Thank you, Pastor, for taking my call. It's actually nice to talk to you again. It's great. Welcome Um, back. I've got a pretty serious question. It's been dwelling on me for quite some time. It it involves the Christ's return, basically. Okay. Um, Living this life, knowing that this is only temporary, that we this is only our temporary home. How am I supposed to enjoy this life slash like dreams and aspirations? One of my dreams is to be a writer, but at the same time, I can see prophecy being fulfilled before my eyes, and it's like, okay, he's right around the corner. What's the point of even trying to enjoy myself, knowing that he's right around the corner? And it kind of plays in the, the verse that sticks in my head, or has been for several months now, is the last verse, chapter 1 of Ecclesiastes, he who increases in knowledge increases in sorrow. And I feel almost numb, like my yeah. wife wants to do things, and I want to do things, but at the same time, I'm just kind of sitting here like, what's the point of even doing anything, knowing that he's coming back like any day now? That, that's a that's actually a really great multifaceted question because I don't I think that you're not the only one that's been feeling this um, I this the irony of living in this world. Uh, anticipating the return of Jesus Christ, and then putting all the pieces together and saying, okay, what, what's the point exactly? And and really even saying, what's God's will for my life? It's just coming out in a different way. Um, I think that we kind of break it, we got to break it down a few different levels. First of all, uh, God has given to us, the Bible says, all things richly to enjoy. Uh, life is to be enjoyed. It's not a sin to enjoy life. It's not a sin to enjoy the accoutrements of life. It's not sinful to participate uh, in the various entertainment and different things of this world for the purposes of joy. Uh, I think that joy is a gift that God gives to us, both joy and happiness. And so once you once you say once you put that into once you put once you put the purpose of life is not only in a uh, allowed not only is it allowable for you to to enjoy it but that you can actually enjoy life while bringing pleasure, honor, and glory to God. And I think of I think of the necessity. There's a few different passages that pop into my mind on a question like this. First one was, you know, in Jesus' uh, high priestly prayer in John chapter 17, you'll remember Jesus is praying out loud so people can hear him, and he says that I don't pray that you take them out of the world. So we know that our time in this world is ordained by God. He wants us in this world. Uh, he, he will leave us in this world until that time his purposes are over with us. So the fact that it is God's will for us to be alive on the planet Earth right now in this world uh, is, is, a, is a settled conclusion biblically. And as I look to my purpose and role, I look at all the different opportunities that God gives for relationships, for um, spending time with family, with friends, with church family, with the people that I work with, the people that I serve with. Like Life is meant to be lived in its fullest. And, And when I think of God gifting you, not only with the ability to write, 
but also the desire to write, I think that God's brought you to a place where you have no choice but to write, uh, whether that be um, you know, fiction, nonfiction, whether it have anything to do with the things of God or not, the opportunity for you to engage. Let's just say you're going to re- you're going to write a book, fictional book, has nothing to do with the Bible, has nothing to do with spiritual things, because God's just made you a fictional writer, and it gets published, and people start buying it, and you go, well, what's the point, Ed? What's the point? It's just a fictional thing. It doesn't matter. It's just like, what? Why would I do it? That? Why would I do that? But you you're one of the reasons you do that is because God gave you a made you a gifted writer number one but number two you would do that because now you're connected with people people are purchasing your book they might be emailing you they might be connecting with you and that's the whole point of being on the earth is to be in connection with people right the the mandate that God gives us is to love the Lord God with all our heart soul and mind and to love our neighbor as ourself and God puts us in different facets and different places around the world in different places of work, different different areas. Like you're in Maryland, I'm in Colorado, and we're all over for the sole purpose of connecting with other human beings for the sake of the gospel. And we definitely have the privilege of enjoying life and enjoying it to its fullest, while at the same time, um, just what Jesus said as well in, um, where am I here, Luke chapter 19 uh, he gives that instruction, do business until I come uh, and have that, that. There's a sense of I have spiritual business to do, but I also have the privilege of interacting in this world and enjoying the things of this world. And one one thing I've noticed in my own life, especially as I've gotten older, is uh, things that I thought I would really enjoy in this world don't bring a tremendous amount of joy. I mean, they might be fun, they might, but they're temporary at best. And the, the more I interact with the world in, in in the world, the more I, the more I have opportunity to uh, perhaps go to another state, or even on occasion I get to leave the country. I was in Mexico earlier this year, uh, and uh, was able to visit some missionaries we have there. The real joy for me, wherever I go, wherever I am, is to connect with people. And and you're right, you know, you read Ecclesiastes, you're just going to be all bummed out, right? Because uh, Ecclesiastes, such a bummer of a book. Because Solomon's dealing with um, the emptiness of his life, you know, he's dealing with the emptiness of 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 really, in many ways, him wasting his life. But then he clears it up, right? In verse thirteen of chapter twelve, he straight up tells him, "Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter." In Ecclesiastes twelve thirteen, fear God, keep His commandments, for this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. And he even gives you the categories. There's good things you can do. There's evil things you can do. It'll all be exposed. But the final, you know, the whole final matter is, man, obey God, worship him, and enjoy him. It's God first, then others. Okay. I I appreciate that. I I was actually at the point, like today, I was just, I'm like, I'm just about to give up on everything and yeah. just devote these, well, what I feel is the last few whatever to ministry and doing what I have to do and just giving up on all dreams and aspirations. Like I said, he's just thinking that and looking at prophecy, knowing that it, time is short 
what's the point of even trying? But hearing what you're saying was that in how God talks to you, that still small voice in the back of back of your mind, it's, it just confirms what I was hearing earlier today, just dwelling, just dwelling on it. And it and, and does bring I, me a little I bit I think you need peace. to write that book, man. I, need, I think you need to write. And who knows, you may do both. Like I'm a big proponent. Sometimes when we get into the, backed into a corner like this, uh, you know, because I, I definitely have my moments too. You know, like, should I continue in ministry? What should I do? Am I even being effective? You know, I go through all these thoughts. I have to surrender them to the Lord, right? I have to take every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. But, you know, Christopher, we also get backed into this corner where we think, well, I either do this or I either do that. But a lot of times it's actually not an either or, it's a both. Do them both. Write your fiction book, but also maybe start a blog writing about the things of God. And you can do both because we need good salt. You like everything. When you begin to look at everything you do, is is your God given gift and ministry back to Him? Then it makes things easier. And so, if you got that big book in your heart, write it. And I want one of the first copies. And then when you're done with it, you're like, well, maybe this scripture just really ministers to me. I'm going to write on that and. Because we definitely need more. I was just thinking of this today. We need more things in writing because with all this technology, it's so separated us, right? But we got to get back to what the written word, because the written word is going to reconnect us person to person. So it's kind of cool. Exactly. The written, the word is the, the spoken word, whether written or spoken, is the most powerful thing on the planet. It really or is. That we have. Yep. Great question. I've, Thanks for calling from Maryland, my friend. Thank you so much for taking my call. Lord bless you. Bless Pastor, you, man. And keep doing what you're doing. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah, I really think Christopher's question is one that's been on all our hearts in various ways. We, it, I mean, we're, I was just putting, we got our ministry conference coming up in three weeks. Uh, we call it Refresh. If you're here, you can fly in from anywhere. We've got people flying in from all in, all around the country. It's October 1st and 2nd. Uh, we're going to have some um, incredible times of worship, ministry, connection we're gonna have the in and out food truck here uh that's a first for us in and out is burger has finally arrived in colorado and they're gonna be here on the parking lot uh serving dinner uh and uh you'll be able to buy dinner right there on the um right there on the property we're very excited about it but i was putting my message together today considering the days in which we're living and and just considering what I believe God wants me to share and this overarching discouragement, what am I living for? <clears throat> the world seems to be going to hell in a handbasket. The government, people have lost their minds. The church has lost their minds. Everybody, it seems so chaotic right now, so challenging, so hard. Uh, and, and so what's the point, right? What's the point? And the point doesn't change. The circumstances change. The world is upside down. Um, but the point doesn't change. We're to bring glory and honor to God through our lives. And we're to use the gifts and talents that he's given us. Not everybody's called to be in the pulpit. You know, praise God for that. Not everybody's called uh, to uh, be a church uh, worker, you know, staff member. But everyone's called to be a minister of the gospel. We believe in what the Bible teaches, the, um, the priesthood of the saints, I had to think of the phrase for a second there. What that means is that God is using all of us in every part of the world to bring glory and honor to God. Like I was talking to a sister last night before service, you know, just some of the things she's facing at work, 
but God is using her at work and she's reaching people that I'll never be able to reach. Uh, she's connecting with people with the gospel in a way that, you know, once they find out um, I'm a pastor, I get shut down or they may never walk, her friends and coworkers may never walk into church, but what did God do? He's so intelligent that he brought the church to them and God is using her. So good stuff. All right, let's go up to Cheyenne, Wyoming now. Michelle is on the line. Michelle, welcome to the program. Thank you, uh, and I appreciate your ministry greatly, Pastor Ed. Um, I, for some reason, I've always thought that, according to the Old Testament, where the Jews' eyes, you know, the scales were put upon their eyes, and they were blinded for our sake to be grafted onto the olive tree. And I've always thought they had a second chance, somewhat. Is, is that accurate or no? And then also, I know that um, the Old Testament also says that, you know, Ishmael's line will be blessed, and that um, as well, Ishmael's line would be blessed as well as Isaac's line. And so I didn't know where to fit the Muslims in either. That's my well, that's a great question. You know, I really think that's a very good question because it's, a, it's even broader uh, than... Uh, just the Jewish people, and that is let's let's make the let's let's try to answer your question by asking a few different questions. So let me ask you this: okay. How is a human being saved? How does a per, how is a person? How are their sins forgiven, and how are they saved? How, how would you answer that question? Because through the blood of Christ, Jesus shed His blood for us. Good. Uh, so good. Good beginning answer. So then I would follow up and say, how many ways are there for a person to be saved? According to the gospel, one. Yeah. Yeah. According according to God's word, yeah. one. Right. Mm-hmm. There's there's never been two, never been three, never been five. No. So no, no. so then those prior to Christ, how were they saved? Right. How were they saved? What do you think? Use the same answers you just gave me. How were they saved? Well, and to me, they here's what I struggle with. God, I know, is loving and fair. And I had, yes. you know, and the, the people before Christ, I think he had to have provision for them. He did make provision for them. You're correct. Okay. He, so they did, they, people were saved prior to the coming of Christ. And there was only one way to have your sins forgiven, or at least covered, until well, okay. the coming of Messiah, uh, yes. and that was and through. Every year had to um, have their sins covered with the blood of a lamb, right? Correct, correct. And so they were saved prior, looking forward in anticipation of Messiah to come, and then right. you and I were on the other end. We're we're saved now, looking back at. Mm-hmm. The coming of Messiah. And so the essence of salvation is the same, right? He says, uh, I'll read it to you from Ephesians. Um, okay. He says that by grace, you've been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. And of course, he gets into the fullness of the new covenant there. But the way that you and I are saved today is the same way that they those were saved prior to the coming of Christ, and that is by grace through faith. By grace through faith. There's no other way to be saved. And it was the blood of the sacrifice, 
that each year was offered to uh, cover the sins of the people who what? Placed their faith in God who said he would honor the blood. And even before the law, what happened in Egypt? They were they placed their in a physical realm, the children of Israel, they placed their faith in God. They put the blood on the doorsteps or, or on the on the door around the doors, on the lintels of their doors, so that when the angel of death came, what happened? He would pass over, which then becomes a type and a picture. But that but what saved them? Was it the blood that saved them or was it the faith that saved them? Well, it was their faith in the, in the covenant with God. So then everyone gets one chance. So now with all that in mind, everyone gets one chance, not a second chance. They get one opportunity to express their faith in God. And when they express their faith in God, in the one true God, um, I then develop this in Romans, right? Because in Romans... We have it even fully developed where the question then becomes, well, wait a minute, Ed, what about those that never heard? What about those that lived in a different era? What about exactly. those that are in a different, and I answer that uh, in a, in its fullness in a Bible study, I actually think entitled, what about those that never heard? Um, because God is fair and just, and he will hold people accountable for what they know and what they don't know. But sure. even in those difficult questions, I think I have a good theological answer for that that I develop in that study. But even in then, it's still salvation is the same way. No other name under heaven by which a man must be saved. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. The mechanism or the pathway, the narrow path, hasn't changed um, from the Garden of Eden. It's just you're either looking forward by faith to the coming Messiah or you look back by faith on the coming of the Messiah that came, but there's no other option. Okay. Okay. You know, God is so huge, and and I just, I struggle with the thought that there are those that could perish, you know, um, that are in other religions, or, you know what I'm saying? Well, think about that. So process that, because I think you have a real... There's a real emotion attached to that. You know, you it, it pains you to think of that. But let's just it take does. someone for let's take somebody that's in a false religion. They are expressing their worship. They're expressing they because God created eternity. He actually created us to worship. And their worship right. is is um is in directed falsely. And who's mm-hmm. gonna who is going to pay for that? Is it is it the person that's chosen to worship falsely? Well, well, that's the way they were raised. Yeah, but they have a heart to worship. So that heart to worship would then be to seek out truth and not right. just to settle. Who's responsible for not seeking out truth? Who's responsible for just believing what they were told? Who's like God places all responsibility. You could say that a person that, especially people that are involved in false religions, they choose to perish. The people, right. as much as the people that resist God, choose to perish because the right. Bible rewards anyone that seeks him will not be. And that doesn't mean they have to have a full revelation of the Bible. It doesn't even mean they have to read or it doesn't even mean they have to see God is able to, to work behind the fallenness of man. He condescended to our level. It's his heart. And there isn't anyone that's going to stand before him that won't be held accountable for knowledge that they did have. Uh, they won't be held accountable for something that they didn't know. Okay. Okay. That helps. 
I'd encourage you to listen to that study on because I, okay. I, I lay it down, I think, in four different layers about the people that are outside. You know, it's a good question, even in our perspective, of the United States. Like, well, what about people that don't have the Bible? What about people that can't read? What about people in the middle of the jungle? What about those people? And, and I, there's right. a good, solid biblical answer to that. And w- during the break, I'll look up the title and I'll share it after the break. Okay, that would be great. You know, and I guess it's too, I was raised, we were raised to respect other religions. And, yes. You know, so I think that's where that all comes from with me. Well, I mean, it's it's a painful, it's painful to think that most people uh, have rejected God and His Son, Jesus Christ. I mean, I, I lived that way for so many years, um, and it, it is painful. So you hear the music, I'm going to look up that study, and I'll announce the title on the other end. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, welcome back everyone to Calvary Live, taking your calls and questions. First half went by so, so quickly. We just had a caller, Cheyenne, Wyoming. We were talking about salvation and the different uh, pathways of salvation and uh, I wanted to let you know, I post on our social media, but also on our, um, on our website, it is a Bible study that I entitled, What About Those Who Have Never Heard? And it's on our social media, it's also on our app, and um, it's, a, it's a good question. And I remember asking this question myself uh, as a new believer, just wondering what that means. You know, what does that mean? So... It's on our app. What what about those who never heard? Romans chapter 1. What about those who never heard? All right, let's get back to the phone lines. Fort Collins, Colorado. Eddie, welcome to the program. Hey, Eddie, you're on the air. Eddie dropped. Sorry. Sean in Greeley, welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor Ed. Hey. Yeah, I have, yeah, uh, I have a question about um, John three thirteen when um, Jesus is speaking to uh, Nicodemus. Yes, and and he says, uh, "No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is the Son of Man who is in heaven." <clears throat> I guess what I'm having trouble understanding is uh, where he says, "No one has ascended to heaven." Does that mean that nobody has gone to heaven or we're waiting to ascend to the new heaven when it's created? Or I guess I'm no, just having actually, a hard time understanding that verse. Um, what we what will help when in difficult times like this, um, because we do come across different phrases as we're reading through the Bible like you did and think, wait a minute, what does this mean exactly? Does it mean, and then you start thinking through, it's really what you're doing, whether you, whether you recognize it or not, is you're working through in your mind the interpretive process. You're interpreting a difficult verse. You're not there yet, but you're asking the right questions because as you ask questions, there's actually three pieces of biblical interpretation, uh, the system and methodology that we were taught called inductive Bible study. You observe the text, which is basically reading it, uh, and then you interpret the text, 
which is what you're doing. You're asking appropriate questions to really nail down what does it mean, and then you apply the text. You know, once you know what it means, then you know uh, how to use it. And so you did that as you're, uh, you know, we all do this, but uh, you learn how to hone that skill down uh, to to come to a conclusion. So here you are. What does it mean? Uh, no one has ascended to heaven. Well, one of the things you need to do with difficult text is put it into its context. Like not only what does it say, but what does it say uh, where, um, what does it say in the conversation, in the context? Um uh, you know, for example, if I said, um, if I said uh, to to Sean, I said, Sean, you're in danger. Well, uh, that could be a, that could mean a lot of things, couldn't it? <laughs> Do you mean I'm in danger right now? Is somebody after me, Ed? Did you hear something about me or? Do I mean you're in danger because you didn't hear something? Like, like context would be everything. Like, it would be different if you and I were standing on uh, the street corner of a street in Greeley together, and I see a car coming, and I grab your shirt, and I pull you, and I say, you're in danger. It would mean a lot different than me just saying it on the radio, uh, because then there's a context. Car coming, if you don't move, you're going to get hurt, and that phrase can mean different things in different contexts. So with that in mind, we come back to the text and we, we look at, he's talking to Nicodemus, a religious ruler. Um, earlier I had mentioned that the people that he was most upset with were the religious rulers who were filled with pride and unwilling to admit that they uh, needed more information, um, they, that they were wrong, that they were misrepresenting God. He, was, he gave the most sternest rebuke to them. Nicodemus, on the other hand, was a religious ruler that was wanting to know the truth. But he had, I believe, he was so steeped in his religious upbringing and teaching that Jesus was taking it away layer by layer. So this phrase comes after Jesus said, most back in verse 5, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he can't enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of Spirit is Spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but you can't tell where it comes from, where it goes. So is he who, everyone who is born of the Spirit. So he's talking about not going, you know, Nicodemus go, what do you mean born again? I can't go back into the womb. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. It's not about the womb here. I'm talking spiritual things, Nicodemus. These are very important spiritual things, uh, not human things. There's a difference between the two. And then Nicodemus says, how can these things be? And, and to that question, Jesus includes what your verse 13 is the answer. But he says, are you the teacher of Israel? You don't know these things? Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak and we know and we testify what we have seen and you do not receive our witness. So let's pause there for a second. Jesus says, we, we, our Who's he talking about? I'm not sure. Who's he referencing? I believe he's referencing the triune God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I believe he's including the Father here. We are witnesses. That he's, he's saying, I'm telling you, Nicodemus, you are so close, and we have come to witness. The Father has sent me. I mean, that, that's really the pathway he's taking. And then he says this, if you have told, if I've told you earthly things you don't believe, 
How are you going to believe if I tell you heavenly things? Then, he says, no one's ascended to heaven, but he, capital H, who came down from heaven, that is the son of man who is in heaven. And so the phrase in context is referring to the absolute uniqueness of who Jesus is. He is not merely someone that's ascended into heaven. He's not merely like the prophets that have gone or Elijah, or or even he's going to compare himself to Moses in a moment. He's talking about who he is, his deity, and the uniqueness of his access to heaven because he is in himself God in human flesh. That's what he's telling Nicodemus, and he's blowing Nicodemus's mind. <laughs> that that uh, really explains it when you when you explain the we on that. That really puts it all together. Yes, and the New King James, if that's the version you use, that's the one we use here. Uh, they do the translators do a great job of helping us understand the passages or the pronouns that are referring to deity. So in my Bible, in verse 11, we is capitalized, R is capitalized, uh, and then in verse 13, he is capitalized because he's referring to himself. And basically working him through Nicodemus, I believe, gets saved. I think we're going to meet him in heaven. I believe God uses him greatly. I believe he leaves the false teachings of the Pharisees and all the weirdness of religion. Uh, but it took a, it was a pathway for him. And I think chapter 3 of John's gospel is just one of those chapters that reminds us to be careful, to be patient, to really dialogue with people, speaking to the questions that are on their hearts. And, um, you know, because he's going to get to verse 16, isn't he? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Uh, God didn't send his son into the world to condemn. And, and Nicodemus is being blown away. He's just, he has, you know, Nicodemus has heard all about Jesus. He's knows his reputation. Uh, he comes to him at night. He knows he's a teacher. He refers to him as a teacher from God. And Jesus is like, bro, not only am I a teacher from God, I am God. Mm-hmm. That's really all of chapter three. Great. Well, thank you for the explanation. That helps me so much. You're welcome. And let me recommend, because I think you're at the edge, right? Like this, this would be a great resource for you. Skip Heitzig. Uh, put out a little book called How to Study the Bible and Enjoy It. How to Study the Bible and Enjoy It. And that's a basic introduction, a very simple but thorough introduction to the inductive Bible study method. And I know it would would totally bless you where you're at right now because you're asking really good questions of the text. Well, I will definitely look up that book. Okay, brother. God bless you. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000 is the number. Where are we? Where are we? We went from Sean to Baltimore. John, Baltimore, Maryland, welcome to the program. And thank you, uh, Pastor. I appreciate it. My what can question I do for you? Is, um, is on um, soul winning. Um, okay. So the Bible says that we are to go preach to every creature. That's what Jesus said, that go uh, take the gospel to every creature um, and to preach it. So what do you think about the, the entire method that's done that they use, like, like some of the churches use as far as like the 12-step plan and stuff where, like, you know, um, uh, what's your church background? If you were to die today, um, do you believe you would 
go to heaven. And then, yeah, what's your take on that? I'm I'm all for methods. Uh, I think I'm all for biblically sound methods. I mean, whether we call things methods or not, we all have a methodology about how we approach things. I mean, I do think uh, there are methods I disagree with. Uh, you know, guys that have signs and scream at people and yell at people. I don't think that's very effective. Um, people that share a false gospel. I don't think that's very effective. Uh, trying to argue with someone into the kingdom. I don't think that's effective, but I do think we have to remember as we obey what Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel that we're cooperating with God, that we are actually not the sole winners we're not the ones that are con- going to convince anyone. We're not the ones that are going to save anyone. It's not any special formula or any magical formula or any method, really, that saves people. It's only God that saves people as he brings conviction of sin upon a heart. But I do think, you know, and I think our personalities are a lot more comfortable, right? Depending on our personality, some methods yeah. we'd be more comfortable with. Uh, some people are real personable. They can just talk to anybody yeah. at any time. Other people like to do it on Facebook, um, but I think right. um, I'm all for methodology because we all use methods. Uh, um, and and that's a great answer. Thank you. What do you think about um, as far as like trying to nail down a time when they received Christ? Like, is there a time that you prayed? Is there a time that you may have accepted Christ? You know, I'm just curious. You know, I mean, like a person might say, yes, I have received Jesus. I was like 12 or something like that. And yes. let's say they're not living the best life. Let's just say they're not living the best life. And we look at it and we're like, oh, well, maybe, you know, because th- th- then we start getting judgmental a little bit. You know what I'm saying? It's like, was well, there a time that you accepted Christ or, you know? Well, I do think we can become super legalistic in these things. I think our methods can... Uh, if we're not careful, we'll be more in love with our methods than we are with the person in front of us. Um, but that is a tool that I use in my toolbox. I think rather than calling these methods, I think that we should probably use a phrase like the gospel toolbox, right? Like any, yeah. I'm not a mechanic, so I'm not like speaking from experience, but right. like any right. good mechanic is going to have a lot of different tools and he's going to use certain tools for certain situations. Um, you're wow. not going to use a hammer to unscrew a screw, right? You're going to, so you're going to use the right tool at the right opportunity. And, and for people that are weaker in their faith, I want to be super careful and say, well, when when were you born again? And you're like, ah, I don't really remember. Okay. Well, that's telling me that I'm going to stop that path. I'm not going to take them to that date, but rather I'm, then I'm going to speak about, well, when was it that there was a life change or I'm going to change my approach so that I don't condemn them but but for most people they can put a day i think of levi like let's say that they were talking to matthew right we got a chance to talk to matthew one of the disciples and we go hey matthew when was it exactly that you were born again and he's like you know i i I don't know i mean we were in the upper room and but but i'll tell you what i'll tell you the day i made my commitment was well you know it's in the bible um it right there in Luke chapter uh, five, it talks about the day that I chose the day that I got up and it says, Jesus yep. said, follow me. And so he left and rose and followed him. And that was the change of my life. And, and so with Matthew, I wouldn't say, well, you didn't pray a prayer. You weren't in church. It's like, man, that's enough for me. Matthew says, man, I remember that day J- Jesus came and I left my tax. I left my ripping people off and I followed him even to this day. And 
to me, that would be sufficient. I'm like, man, what a cool yeah. story. Tell me more instead of trying to pin a day down for someone. Right. Okay, cool. Uh, that's amazing. One more question if I can ask. Um, do you think sure, that the, the Romans Road is like when we try and use our own words on someone, it just bounces off of them. But when you start using God's word, it's almost like it's a key that goes into their spirit and starts to unlock it. I don't know. What do you think about I, that? I love the Romans Road. We, we, we use the Romans Road so much in, ter- in, in relationship to sharing the gospel that we actually even made one for kids. Uh, and that's how important wow. it is to wow. us. You know, and, and here, because there is power in the word. According to Isaiah, God said that it always accomplishes the purposes for which it's sent. And, and I think of what Paul said even in, the Romans, in Romans. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation yeah. for everyone who yeah. believes, for the Jew first. So I think you bring up a good point that whatever methodology we end up using, whatever tool we end up using, it, it mm. must be the Word of God. Like, we can't make it up along the way. Only the Word of God. And so a person needs to recognize they've sinned. They need to recognize they're in the company of sinners. They need to recognize that the wages of sin is death. They need to also understand that God has made a way for them. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And that if they'll confess Amen. with their mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in their heart God raised him from the dead, they will be saved. They need to know that. That's the Word of God. That's powerful. Yes. Amen. Well, I I really appreciate you uh, and take my call and the uh, toolbox mechanic thing is really powerful and I I just you know, really appreciate that. Thank you so much. All right, brother. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Bye bye. Yeah, it's so good. It's uh, you know, the desire to how can I be more effective in reaching the lost? And yeah, you know what? We can we got to be careful. Um, we, we don't want to. We don't want to be um, we don't want to be in a place where we are legalistic and trying to convince people and push them. You know how we get we get um, we get accused as the church of cramming the Bible down throats, right? And so we don't want that. Um, we don't want to cram anything around down anyone's throat we want to communicate we want to value someone's humanity we want to value their perspective their upbringing we even want to value their beliefs i didn't say agree with their beliefs but just value that that's where they're at like you got to meet people where they're at jesus was a master i mean that's an understatement but he is he is and was a master of meeting people where they were uh without without compromise and I'm going to find, i got to find, I'm going to write this down, The Romans Road for Kids. And if you want a copy of it, i got to find it. I can't, I don't see it on my computer right now. Um, but if you want a copy of it, I'm gonna, I'll am gonna. i send you, just email me and I'll send you a link of The Roman Road, Romans Road for Kids. I think for sure Micah put something together for us, like a cartoon color sheet uh, to minister to kids. But for some reason it's not showing up in my archives. So I'm going to have to figure it out. But if you want a copy of it, I'll find it and just email me. You can send an email to ed at edtaylor.org, ed at edtaylor.org, or just go to my website, edtaylor.org, and email me through there. And I'll respond with a copy of the Romans Road for kids. All right, let's, um, where are we at? 
uh, Alphonse in Philadelphia. Alphonse, welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor Ed. Hello, you're on the air. Yes. Uh, okay. My, I have a question. Please. My question is actually is uh, uh, I don't know how to put it. It's it's a little bit confusing in my Christian life when I read the Bible and I and I see around what is happening in terms of like uh, 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 preaching. I mean, what we, we, we've been receiving, uh, we've been fed. Okay, mm-hmm. this is based on uh, the fact that I, I observed, like, the message of Jesus Christ, like, through the, the gospel. And uh, and I heard that uh, Jesus Christ, I mean, most of the time Jesus Christ was saying, repent, uh, because the, the, kingdom, the kingdom of God is near. Now, every time Jesus was talking, was talking about the kingdom of God resembles to, even in the parables and everything, Always the kingdom of God, you know. So I believe that that sure. was the message of Jesus Christ, right? Sure. Now, when we go in Matthew 24, uh, verse 14, I believe that was the time when Jesus Christ almost like uh, his, his journey was ending on the earth and kind of going back and trying to explain, prophesying what is going to happen in the future. And he said, Okay, I'm French speaking. Sorry, I don't have the Bible around me, but I'm. Hey, trying, Alphonse, uh, before before you go on, before you go on, we're almost like we're running out of time. So I think go ahead and fast forward to your question. Let me help you process your question. What's your question? Okay, yes. What was the message of Jesus Christ? The message of Jesus Christ is in very is a very simple simple message. You are a sinner, and you need to be born again. That's it. Okay, that's what he said to uh, Nicodemus, Nicodemus, right? You must be born again. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. and so the banner of the kingdom of God has different aspects to it, doesn't it? Because the, in a very special way, the kingdom of God appeared in person, in human form, in the presence of God in human flesh. And as he's preaching a future kingdom, for the Jewish mind, that had a great connotation, did it not? He's preaching what they already connected with, with the millennial kingdom to come, with the eternal kingdom to come. But remember, he also taught to those in front of him that that the kingdom of God is in us. There is a um, there is an aspect because there's very varying degrees of the aspect that the kingdom of God is now and still yet to come. And so Jesus's message, when it comes to the kingdom of God, I think hinges on how we define the kingdom of God. And I believe the definition, a simple definition of the kingdom of God, which would include that simple message of you must be born again, is the headship and rulership of Jesus Christ in your life. That you, as a subject of the king, have submitted yourself to him and therefore are in his kingdom. His kingdom is now, but there's aspects of it that's still yet to come. And that, that is certainly something Jesus was always talking about. Um, you see that over and over and over again. Kingdom now, kingdom to come. The rulership of God, the surrender of a person to the rulership of King Jesus in the immediate state, coming out of your own sinful kingdom and into his glorious kingdom. So there's an aspect of now and there's also an aspect of future glory. Mm. 
Yes, uh, uh, I wish, but I wish I could spend a little bit of time with you to discuss about. It. I yeah, mean, it's yeah, it's, it's a it's a radio more. show, so you're not. It's mm. it's more it's more in depth because I think you've you've probably read someone or read so much on it that you have confused yourself. And and whenever I get confused, because I know I certainly can get there myself, whenever I get confused, I need to stop and lay aside all this other input and then go back to the basics and say, okay, like right while you're talking, I looked up every instance of kingdom of God. I mean, I'm looking at them. Um, in Matthew 5, remember Jesus said, blessed are you poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Um, mm-hmm. He talked about in Luke 7, a greater prophet than John. There, I say to you, among those born of women, there isn't a greater prophet than John the Baptist, but he who is in the least of the kingdom of God is greater than he. Um, and you can see him go from present to future, present to future. Um, he says in Luke 9, remember, I'm telling you right now, there's some standing here who shall not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. And what was the very next thing that happened? He was transfigured up on on the mountaintop. Um, you know, he tells, I mean, this is just Luke's gospel. I mean, I'm only in chapter 9, but I think anytime I get confused over over things, as I have to stop, slow down. I have a yellow pad here next to me, and I pull out a yellow pad, and I start writing down in its simplicity, praying for the Holy Spirit to give me insight. Uh, and and so uh, let me pray for you as you know you wrestle with this. Father, I pray for my friend Alphonse in Philadelphia um, as he is wrestling with the preaching ministry of you, Jesus. What exactly was the message? Uh, how did... Um, how did it come out? What is the kingdom of God? What about the cross, salvation, those types of things? Lord, give him clarity uh, and understanding so that he would then move forward and go and preach the gospel and see the power that comes through the gospel in people's lives. So bless him in his studies, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's go up to, uh, what do we got here? All right, I'm going to try this one uh, real quick. Uh, Eddie, Fort Collins, we're almost out of time. I'm going to give you 60 seconds. Go. Uh, We were listening to you on the radio this morning, as we do every day. And uh, this morning, uh, you uh, quoted uh, Galatians 5.19, and Mm -hmm. uh, there gives uh, a... 14 different items here. Uh, Paul says, uh, if you live like this, uh, you'll not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, if a person did accept Jesus Christ sincerely and said the salvation prayer and uh, backslid into this, uh, does that negate that uh, salvation prayer? Yeah, that is where... That, that's a great question. So, number one, salvation prayers don't save anyone. Uh, they're just a mechanism, a tool, like we were saying in an earlier call, whereby a person confess with their mouth the Lord Jesus. And if there's real, true, spiritual uh, exchange, a person is really born again, then a person that is backslidden can get involved in a lot of different things uh, and be rescued from them. I think of the Jesus... Uh, talked about the prodigal son and how he lived a complete rebellious life against his dad, but he ended up coming home. However, 
when a person's living a lifestyle described in Galatians chapter 5, I'm not going to automatically assume that they're saved or anything. And this is the approach that I take because I don't know the heart of people. This is the approach that I take. If you say that you are saved, I will treat you like you are saved. If you say that you're saved and you act like an unbeliever, I'm going to treat you like an unbeliever and and I'm going to call you to repentance and I'm going to warn you that the Bible says, hey, dude, what you're involved in right now says you won't inherit the kingdom of God. Oh, but you know, I'm a saved and I can do whatever I want because God forgave me. I, I would probably say something like, hey, saved people don't talk like that. Like saved people, people that are born again, don't just, they're not just flipping against sin. They're, they're not just kind of not caring what God thinks anymore. And I would evangelize them. Um, and if somebody's caught up in Galatians 5, man, I'm, I'm going to beg them to come back. I'm going to warn them about sin. Um, but I also know that people truly can backslide. They truly can repent. And believers are tormented when they go back into their previous sin. They're literally tormented to the point where God brings great conviction upon their lives and prodigals come back, but also sometimes Galatians 5 reveals that people weren't saved to begin with. I don't know. So I'm just going to keep loving people and calling them to a higher level of living in Christ. Okay. Well, thank you very much for your answer. God bless you. Thanks for your question. Yeah, real tough, man. These This backsliding, and I, it's a tough thing. Uh, because we just don't know the condition of someone's soul. But I'm telling you, if you say you're a believer, I'm going to hold you to a biblical standard. I'm going to call you to repentance. You say you're a believer and act like an unbeliever, I'm going to hold you to a biblical standard. I'm going to call you to righteous living and to repentance. Hey, refresh our ministry conference. you got to sign up. We want you to be here October 1st and 2nd. In-N-Out Food Truck will be here for lunch at 3 o'clock that Friday. Go to our website, calvaryco.church. refresh we found we found the Romans Road for kids, so email me, I'll send you a link. To Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.